You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. pray for the word this morning. Would that be all right? Father, I thank you so much that your word is timeless. It does not go out of fashion. It does not uh, go uh, out of being able to be relevant in our world. And I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray that you would help us to see the darkness that we have thought maybe is light, where there has been deception in in our thinking around money, around the church, around our finances, Father. I pray you would set us on a course to be a church that is able. Uh, Father, you would set us on a course to be a church that has more than enough, that we are spilling over with generosity into our community. Uh, Lord, I want to pray for every person individually that hears this, that you would begin, Father, to work in their world, uh, bringing a capacity to match the desire that is in their heart to be generous in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Our series scripture for this series has been out of Matthew. Um, And if you don't have a Bible, that's fine. It's going to be on the screen behind us. Uh, It's out of Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. And uh, you would know that for this series I've upgraded. um, And we're reading out of the the NIV, uh, which is is Pastor Keith's favorite uh, translation. So there you go. He's not even here to appreciate it. Uh, It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Um, I just want to make a side note there. It does not say treasures for heaven. Okay, the treasure we store in heaven is for now, not for heaven. Let's just remember that heaven has streets paved with gold. Okay, heaven, the coffee is going to be free in heaven, if there even is coffee. I'm believing there's going to be. But, but the, then there is going to be no need for currency in heaven. Okay, if we store up treasure in heaven, it must be for now. That's why scripture doesn't say we store up treasures for heaven. All right, we store up treasures in heaven for now, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So we can store it in a place where it cannot break down, where it cannot be taken away, that we can then access and use in the present for the kingdom of God. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If you, if you can see, Scripture tells us have eyes to see and ears to hear. If we can see correctly, we get correct revelation. Okay, but if there is something in, our, in the way we view Scripture, all right, we have the capacity to think we have correct revelation when actually what we have is a very subtle deception and we need to continually bring our eyes back to the Word of God and enable it to speak into our spirit and correct what we think is light but is sometimes darkness. This is, but if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Fantastic. All right. 
I love a good movie. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's something that Rachel and I love to do together. We'll put the kids down and, uh, and go and jump on the couch and we'll throw on a movie. And we just, it's, a, it's a space in which we can have a bit of switch off in our mind. Um, and truth be told, uh, I will fall asleep far easier if I am watching like a movie or sport than if I go and try to have a lie down during the day. Okay? So if I have a lie down and there's no distraction, my mind keeps going while my head's on the pillow. But if I'm subtly distracted by something, I will find that I, I drift off to sleep. Um, and some movies are better than others, but uh, you know, most, most sport I'm, I'm pretty engaged in, as you would know. Um, but I... We watch a whole range of movies. We're, we're, we're quite a broad genre family. Uh, love good, good scope of movies. But I will say this. Um, I am really careful about what I let into my mind. Uh, it is very difficult to get something that you have seen that enters your mind back out of your mind. It sits in there, it rolls around, it resonates. And as Christians, although we don't have these hard and fast boundaries, we should have wisdom. We should absolutely have wisdom about what we watch, about what we listen to, and what we allow to come in and take up uh, uh, territory, if you will, take up space, take up land in our thinking. Um, we should be careful about that. But some of the movies I really enjoy are movies like Robin Hood, uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, right? Grew up reading that, fantastic movie. Um, those, those movies kind of like of that old school era where you know, there was kings of kingdoms and, um, and knights and subjects, right? Uh, I always think I would have made a great knight. Um, can't ride a horse very well, but, um, you know. But they fought for things like honor. Uh, I feel like we've lost that a little bit in our day and age. You know, they fought for honor and they fought for people and, 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 and they fought for legacy. Um, we need to bring a little bit of that back. Uh, but in particular, I like... I actually like the second Lord of the Rings movie, right? The, the Twin Towers or the Two Towers. The Twin Towers is somewhere else in the world. Um, the Two Towers. And I love that movie because I love the build-up to the battle. Right? I love like the whole movie is set around the build-up to the battle. And truth be told, if I could, I would fast-forward through the Frodo sections of that movie just to get to like the battle. If I could re-edit that movie, I would take the entire Frodo storyline out and I would just back-to-back -back the battle preparation and the battle scene. I find myself, literally, I have watched it and I have fast-forwarded Frodo and his, and his like, little, oh, I can't handle it, his entire demeanor, his mope just gets me. Um, when there's like this battle raging on the other side of it, I'm like, come on, get me back to the battle. Um, but I love that there is this willingness of this army, despite the discrepancy in size, to, to fight for the lives of the women and children hiding in the, in the caves behind Helm's Deep. And, and I, I, I really love, I'm, I'm quite an emotive person, I don't know if you've realized that about me yet, but um, I really love the climactic conclusion, right, where Aragorn, he, he remembers what Gandalf had said at the start. You know, he says, on the morning of the third day, look to the east at the rising of the sun. And then, and then and Aragorn remembers that and he looks up and it's at that point, Gandalf comes over the mountain with this big army and it's like, Whoa! no one else? Cool. That's, that's just me, that's me. Um, I love it. I love it. This is like, it's like the way God comes through all the time for us. I've got to bring a spiritual aspect to my story. But I love that Aragorn is a king who knows what it means to rule well. Um, I love that that's just this, this sub-storyline that is, that is played out in the movies, that he, know, he grows into this idea of what it is to be a true king. Um, to rule is to serve. 
And, and that to take rule is to take the responsibility of the people. Uh, and he learns this along the way. And I often wonder with God if the way we respond to him has anything to do with how we view him as king, or even if we don't. Our series scripture talks about serving God, recognizing him not just as saviour, which is fantastic and we love that, but it talks about us serving him and actually placing him in a position that is called Lord. Uh, It's called king. It's It's called you have authority, you have the right and the rule over my life. Um, and, and sometimes we need to recognize him not just as Savior, but also as King. Scripture tells us we clearly cannot have two kings, right? We cannot live in two kingdoms with two different rulers. Either we'll serve God, he will be our king, and we will position ourselves in his kingdom, or we will not. And we will put something else as the, the ruler who has the responsibility for provision and protection in our world. You see, we cannot serve both God and money. So if we can't, then how is it that we serve God with our money? Okay, if we can't serve both, one must become subservient to the other. Uh, So we will either serve money first, and it will dictate how we approach God, or we will serve God first, and that will dictate how we approach money. When we make a decision to believe in Jesus and believe what he did on the cross, Scripture tells us that we are taken from the kingdom of darkness and we are positioned in the kingdom of light. A transaction takes place in a realm that we're not aware of where we come out of one kingdom and we are positioned in another. And that happens immediately and it's fantastic and and Scripture would tell us that it is everlasting and all of these incredible things that from that moment on, however... We live in a tension. I don't know if you are aware of this in your own life. Uh, I, I'm aware of it every day, this tension between truth and then my reality. Truth that says I am a new creation. Reality, I still struggle with the same things I struggled with five years ago. Right? Truth that I am seated in heavenly places, yet my reality that I am still living in a home in Charlestown looking after some children. Right? Like, like there is this tension between truth and, and reality. And it's just something that from the moment we get saved, the moment we go, I believe in Jesus, we now live in tension. We live in the tension, Scripture would say, something along the lines of it, between the now and the not yet. Well, that's, what, that's what scholars have described this tension as, the now but the not yet. And the reality is that the journey of discipleship is a revelation-driven, slow progression of submitting all areas and facets of our life under the dominion or the domain of the kingdom of God. You see, at the moment of our salvation, yes, we are transplanted from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, and yet we now live the rest of our life making choices that bring the reality of our world under that kingdom. That is the journey of discipleship. We submit them to his will and his ways, and we learn to put him first. Seeking first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you. So my sin is forgiven, so I have right access to the kingdom of God. But what does it actually mean to live in that kingdom, to approach my job, to approach my marriage, raising my kids, my my season of singleness, my present pain, my success in ways that are submitted to my king? These are actually key areas of our life and money is no different. How do we serve God with our money? How do we bring that area of our life under the rule, reign, and dominion of our King, 
Jesus. And ultimately, this is where the analogy of the knights of old kind of falls apart, right? Because so often what we see is that in those situations and circumstances, King Arthur's and Robin Hood's, the kings ruled out of oppression and violence. The, the, the authority that they stood in was a, an authority earned on the back of violent oppression of their people. And this is the complete opposite to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a relational submission. It's not a forced submission. It is a submission driven by love. The more we encounter the love of God, the greater revelation we have of the love of God. That's why Paul prays that we would have this revelation of how high and wide and deep the breadth the love of God is for us. Because the greater we encounter it, the more we desire to submit to it. And so there's this, the, the kingdom of God is a, is a love-prompted submission. And the more we develop our living, breathing, active, real relationship with God, our acts of submission come as willful responses. Now, there's some truths that we need to grasp about, about kingdoms, right? Kings of kingdoms have responsibility. And they have responsibility for two things. The responsibility of a king is twofold, to protect and to provide. That is the responsibility of the king of a kingdom. And so when we're under the kingship of Christ in any area of our life, we bring it under his responsibility to provide protection and provision for it. Let's, let's have a look at this uh, house played out in Scripture. Right? So the disciples come to Jesus and they're like, Hey, Jesus, uh, you have a really great prayer life. Can you teach us how to pray? And, and Jesus says, Absolutely, I will teach you how to pray. This is what prayer looks like. Uh, in Matthew 6, 9 to 13, in the New American Standard Bible, I'm really stepping it up. It says, Pray then in this way. O Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done right? Elevation of the king, so submission. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I submit to your will, to your way, to your kingdom. I place you as king over my life. And then look what follows, right? Give us this day our daily bread, provision. I'm positioning myself under the kingship of Christ. And then I am asking for provision. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us, protect us, protection from evil. Provision and protection evident under kingship. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. The way in which we submit an area under the kingdom of God is really simple. Right? It, it is based on what we are willing to do first. It's based on what we are willing to do first. Seek first my kingdom. First is, is the positional action for, for putting something as king over your life. May your kingdom come, may your will be done. It's priority, it's putting him first and submitting. And what follows is provision and protection. Let's take marriage, for instance, when we put God first in our marriage, right? There's all sorts of practical ways in which we do that. Okay, what does it look like to put God first in a season of singleness? What does it look like to put God first in our approach to our job? When we submit our ambition to his leading, when our desire to go for promotion is submitted to, to his will and his way for my life at that season, okay? Um, there are all sorts of practical ways, and uh, I would love to focus on those, but we're, we're in a money series. Um, so in each of these different areas, there are practical ways in which we put God first, and it comes out in the way we approach priorities and in the way in which we, we, we describe things as non-negotiables. What we are not willing to compromise on. What we are willing to compromise on 
we demonstrate as holding less value. The most valuable thing is what we are willing to put first. The principle of first fruits has long been a practical expression of submitting something to God, right? Uh, I think it's really interesting. Pastor Jez pulled out Proverbs uh, against the tide this morning, talking about first fruits. We didn't talk about that. I thought that was fantastic. I thought, oh my goodness, God is going before me as we start talking about first fruits, right? We can, we can see this principle in Scripture of first fruits from the Garden of Eden where God took one tree, set it apart, said, this thing is holy, this thing is sacred, this thing represents my lordship. Okay, so from the beginning of creation, we have something that is separated unto God, that is holy, that, that we should not touch, that we should put first. Why? Because it represents that I'm not king, he is. He is king over that garden. Therefore, that is his, and I will not eat of it. And then we see this same principle uh, continued through Cain, Abel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Elijah taught the widow at Zarephath the benefit of it. Malachi teaches on it. We see it in Proverbs. The principle of first fruits of our finance when bought to the house of God brings that area under the kingship of Christ. It brings that area under the provision and protection of the king. In fact, Malachi would say, if you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house, so that we put his, his will first, f- that there would be food in my house, that is the will of God, that there would be food in the house. If we put that first, says the Lord of hosts, see if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Provision, and then I will rebu- rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vines in the field cast its scrapes. Protection. Once again, what we see in Malachi is when we are able to bring our first fruits, we position ourselves under the kingship of Christ. We put that area of our world under provision and protection. Unfortunately, what I think has happened in church is that we have actually lost the principle of first fruits in the connotations connected to the word tithe. We hear all this stuff, oh, it's Old Testament, oh, it's law, you know, we're in the New Covenant. Here's the thing, tithe was a descriptor of definition around the principle of first fruits. The principle was way pre the law, okay? It was, it, it was in effect in the garden, Cain and Abel, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. It was way, the principle was there prior to the law. What the law did, okay, was it added a layer on top of the principle to give clarity to people who were living under a system of clear guidelines. You see, the law was all about boundary. The law was all about clarity on boundary and edge. And so to have this this free-flowing sense of first fruits, well, how many fruits? How many are my first fruits? Okay, what happened when the law came was, was there became a guideline and a principle around all of these things that initially began as relational. Okay, the garden was all relational. We fell out of relationship. We moved through time. We get to the law, and God's like, there's so much that's not said Here's a boundary, live to this. And so he bought boundary around the first fruits offering and it became known as the tithe. It was a layer on top. It clearly defined what it was. But if we peel back that layer, the principle of first fruits still remains. The principle of first fruits is still clear and strong through Scripture. And I'll go on record to say that I do believe that tithe as a measure of 10% still represents my financial first fruit. If you are looking for a guide, it sure is a good one. Okay, I will say that, but we are in the new covenant, which has superseded the old, and so now there is opportunity out of relationship 
to respond again into the principle of first fruits. Now, what we need to understand here is that because uh, if, we are, if we are truly going to engage in the new covenant, where, where the guidelines that were set around things that prior had no guidelines, we cannot allow ourselves to be restricted to the guideline, which means that the true nature of the principle of first fruits may mean that in relationship with Jesus, he speaks to you about a first fruits which is more than 10%. I didn't expect a great response from that. That's okay. But the truth is on the other side too. You see, sometimes we present the tithe to people that have just come into the kingdom of God as this immovable boundary. We need to be careful we don't bring the law into grace. We need to be careful that we don't, we don't stop people from beginning their journey in the principle of first fruits for the, for the boundary of the law, okay? I'm here to tell you right now that if you are new in the faith and you are beginning to feel like God is speaking to you this morning about bringing your finances under his kingdom, okay, under the provision and protection, can I tell you that the true nature of the principle of first fruits is that it is not bound by a number. It is bound as a heart response. If you want to begin that journey, begin with 1%. Begin with something. Bring an offering to God first. Start your journey. He will take you further in it. He, he says if we put his kingdom first, he he will provide more seed to the sower. If you want your financial world to grow, I'm telling you, there are principles to put in place that will enable the kingdom of God to help that happen, as long as we use wisdom as well in that, okay? But let us not be so restrictive of people's relational journey that we make them go from zero to 10 in one jump when their budget never had that a week before they entered the kingdom of God. We need to be okay with the true relational nature of the new covenant and be able to say to people, hey, 10% is a great guide, okay? If, if it takes you a few years of journeying with God for him to speak to you about, about getting to that place, you go for it, you take that time. But you make sure you do it in relationship with God. Don't use this as something to keep God at arm's distance from your finances because that would not be wise. Trust in the relationship that you have with him and the way he's gonna guide you. But I'm telling you here this morning, I'm gonna finish because we're, 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 we're going a bit over time. But I wanna pray for two groups of people this morning. Two groups of people felt very strongly to pray for. And the first group, if I could get the team uh, to, oh, look, that's already here. She's a legend. Come on. Two groups of people. The first group of people I believe God's speaking to this morning is people who have seen the tithe in definition as 10%, which, I mean, we can't escape that. It's what the word means, okay? That would be like saying hat doesn't mean hat, okay? Tithe means 10%. We cannot escape that, but we need to understand where it was first applied. Okay, it was first applied as a strict boundary. Okay, we now, we now want to unpack and, and just take that layer off a little bit and go, well, what does first fruits mean for us right now? What does first fruits mean for us in true relationship with God? And I, so, so I want to pray for people this morning where the, the idea of the tithe has been a barrier because you might be new in the kingdom of God and your budget uh, was tight and, and, and now you're hearing, well, I've got to go from 0% to 10%. And you're like, that jump is too big. And so actually the tithe has been a barrier from you trying to bring your finance under the kingdom of God. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray that you'd get revelation that this is out of relationship. I want to pray that you would get revelation that this is a journey. That like all of our, our discipleship, it is a journey. Freedom is a process. We take a step after step. We allow God to guide us. He, he, he directs our steps, right? But the second group I want to pray for is a group that you have remained restricted by the tithe. 
because you have just assumed, well, my tithe is 10%, so that's just what we do. But God has been so good in your world that actually you have the capacity to go beyond that. And if we are willing to to release the pressure of the boundary of 10% for those entering, we should equally lift the pressure for those that God has given the capacity to be generous over and above. Right now, God's beginning to speak to you in your heart that, that actually that has been a measure that has now become a point of restriction for you. you know, I, I believe right now, God's beginning to put a different number in your heart related to your first fruits offering, related to what you bring as your first fruits week after week. God's saying, let's take that a little bit further. I've been good to you. You know I'm faithful. And I want to begin to pour out more into your world. But I want to take you on a journey of trial. I want to take you into a greater place. And God's beginning to put a new number on your heart. I want to pray for you as well. So church, can... Can those two groups of people, if you're here this morning and you're part of that first group, the, the, the tithe has been a restrictor in you bringing finance into the kingdom of God. Or if you're a part of that second group where it's been a restrictor, but right now God's doing a number on you and you're like, oh, you're a bit squirmy in your seat because He's speaking to you and He's saying, hey, I want to increase. Let's do this journey of increase. If you are in either of those groups, could you just stand? Could you just stand this morning? I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. That'd be awesome. Be bold. Be bold this morning if that's you, if God's speaking to you about either of those things. I'll give you a second. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your your courage, for your obedience to God and Him speaking to you. I'm grateful that we have a community that is open and willing to go, oh God, yep, you're speaking. I'm going to respond. A couple more seconds. Fantastic. Last opportunity. I'm going to pray this morning. Awesome. Father, I want to pray right now for every person who is standing in this place. I thank you so much that you know their heart, you see their heart, you're speaking this morning. I want to thank you that you are incredibly faithful and incredibly good. And Lord, as we lean into this with a relational approach, God, I know that you are going to be faithful, that as people begin to bring their first, first fruits into your kingdom, I know. I know you're going to bring provision and protection over the rest. I know you're going to bring increase. And God, for those that feel like you're just saying, let's just go a bit deeper on this journey. Let's step out of that boat just a little bit. I just want to take you a bit further. God, I pray that they would see such incredible faithfulness and such incredible increase that the testimony of this moment would be amazing in their world. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. back to Pastor Jez. is going to close our service. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.